Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unsportsmanlike Commentary. As always, this is DC Mello, and I'm joined with Tyler. Good afternoon, Tyler. Hey, buddy. How you doing? We're about to talk about the same shit we just talked about yesterday since somebody didn't want to save the audio files from this podcast uh, that we tried to accomplish yesterday. So there was a issue with converting the file, which uh, I, I feel like I already addressed with you. So we're going to just go on and, and move ahead. We're going to move I feel ahead. I like the Smooth issue is operator error. Mm, mm, well, you know. Haven't had this problem yet up until now. And now we're blaming the system. Now we're blaming the operator. Interesting, interesting. No, Regardless, operator. we are we are moving on. Uh, this operator is moving on. This flawless operator is moving on, and uh, we're going to be talking about some football, which is very exciting. So, uh, first game I have here on the docket. We're gonna we have uh, obviously we're going to be saving for the for the very end our upset picks of the week. We each pick two different games there. Uh, and then there's 12 other games. So in the first segment, we'll be talking about six of those games. And then we'll be talking about the other six in the second segment. Before we get into that, I do want to remind our listeners to join us on Twitter. Follow us at Unsport Comment. Again, that's at Unsport Comment. We are also available on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. We're available on a ton of, I mean, we're on Spotify, Pocket Cast, uh, yeah, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcast, Anchor. So those are some of the many platforms on which you can listen in on us. Uh, so please do follow us, uh, subscribe if the app allows you to. Uh, we'd love to get you guys on board here. Now, first game, Bears Panthers. It is a one point line in favor of Carolina that has moved recently. It was a one point one and a half point line in favor of Carolina earlier. Uh, but now it's at one. Who you got? Um, <clears throat> this game could go either way, obviously. Um, and you got to look at it for for at bo- for both sides of the ball for the team. Um, a one point line, I, I feel, is it's a fair line. Um, they, it's in favor of Carolina, though, which I think is wrong. Um, I believe that the Bears are going to take this. Obviously, they're going to cover um, some key takeaways for the Bears. Uh, and probably, this is really the biggest reason why I, <clears throat> I see them taking this game. Um, I think last week, the, la- uh, the last game they played against the Bucks, where they pulled off a one-point win, um, Nick Foles didn't look spectacular by any means necessary, but he really put together some, some decent scoring drives on a really stout Buccaneers defense. Um, I think they were looking for a, like an in-between kind of bridge the gap game, getting off of Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I, Nick Foles is better than Trubisky, uh, but I, I've never seen Foles as any more than a journeyman. Uh, I, he's not an elite level quarterback in the NFL. Um, I, I think that win against a really good team is enough, even though Brady was the one who fucked it up and threw up the four fingers because he forgot it was fourth down. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the Panthers, for the Panthers, the the, the 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 biggest takeaways for them as to how they could win this game, one is going to be keeping Teddy Bridgewater upright. Um, 
no sacks allowed in the last two games for Carolina. So that their 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 O line is giving Teddy Bridgewater enough time to go through his progressions and go through his reads. Um, you know, Mike Davis is filled in absolutely beautifully. It's almost like he's put he is putting up McCaffrey's numbers. So, mm-hmm. um, and then you look at Robbie Anderson in the receiving core for them. He is a clear cut, solidified number one now. It's not. It's not even a question. He's got three 100 receiving yard games this year through five as to where he only had three 100 yard receiving games last year when he played for the Jets. So I, I like I, I like both both teams at a one point line would be fair. Um, I just think the Bears are better defensively than Carolina. So I'm going to go with Chicago. Yeah, it's a lot of what you said. I agree with Uh the, the Panthers have been a much better team than anyone expected them to be so far at this point in the season. Uh, I don't think anyone would have looked at them and said, oh, yeah, they're going to be three and two, uh, five games in. But that's where they're at. And the Bears are, again, they're also a, a decent team. They, these are two good, not great, but good teams. The Bears do have the edge defensively. Uh, and, it, and like you said, it's going to be a challenge for the Panthers to keep Teddy Bridgewater upright. Uh, they haven't allowed, like you said, two sacks, excuse me, any sacks in the past two games. And that's going to be big. Teddy Bridgewater has shown a little more mobility than I think anyone was really expecting him to, to show considering the injury that he had to recover from, but he's, he still needs to be able to make decisions and have a clean pocket and have time in that pocket. So if the Bears can get pressure, which I do believe they have the personnel that can do that, I think that gives the edge to the Bears. And what should be a very good close game, it could go either way, but I'm with you. I'm going with the Bears in this one. And especially for for that Carolina O-line, no sacks in the last two games. You look at the last two opponents they've played, though. Right. The Cardinals, which was a surprise win, but outside of Chandler Jones, they don't really have anybody you need to fear – crashing the pocket and then the Falcons are the fucking Falcons. Right. So there's that. (laughs) They haven't played against any uh, Khalil Mack caliber. Right. uh, Players. Yeah. Uh, So let's move on to the Bengals and Colts. Uh, The line for this one is Indianapolis by seven and a half. It's uh, against the Bengals. I think it's fair to say that they should be the favorite team. Seven and a half. Is that too generous or, or is that too stingy? Um, I'm not, I, the line was eight yesterday, moving it, you know, half a point down, um, isn't really going to change my decision on who I think is going to win if they cover whatnot. Um, Indy's favored by over a touchdown. I like I got the Colts winning this game, but I do not have them covering. I let the Colts right now have the number one defense. Correct. But the biggest problem the Colts have defenses defensively is creating pressure on the quarterback. They are 15th in the league in sacks. So they're number one, you know, top three against the run, top three against the pass. But when it comes to creating that pressure, that's where the, they're the middle of the pack. And uh, kind of a surprising thing, especially when they made a big bolster move, uh, trade during the off season last year, getting DeForest Buckner from the 49ers, mm-hmm. um, you'd, you'd think with Defoe on that line, he'd be able to create a little more pressure. Um, I, 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 I think this is more of a game where the Colts could get up 
double score by halftime. And then, you know, it's going to be kind of garbage time kind of play for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, and you could see, I could see it being a seven point win. So I'm going to stick with the Colts and I'm going to say they do not cover. Yeah, that's, that's a reasonable take. I have the Colts also, but I'm, I'm I do have them covering the, the reason being is even though their, their uh, uh, ability to pass to pass rush is middle of the pack. Uh, the rest of their defense is so good. It's going to cause Cincinnati receivers a hard time getting open. It's going to cause Joe Mixon a hard time finding lanes. And it's going to give Joe Burrow, yeah, like I get I get what you're saying, but with that O-line that they have, uh, I do feel like this is a game where the Colts are going to bump up their sack numbers. I think that this is a game where they're going to uh, shoot up a little bit. You know, you look at last week, for example, when they played against the Browns, that's, that's going to be a game where you're, you're not going to expect them to get a lot of sacks because the Browns are going to spend so much of the game handing it off uh, against the Bengals though. Joe Burrow's been throwing the ball a lot because they're typically trailing in most games. And I do think the Colts are going to get pressure on him. I, I see this one being closer to about a 10 point game. I, I do agree with the uh, story script of the game as far as the Colts jumping ahead early. And then it's Bengals essentially playing catch up and uh, trying to cut into that lead as, as uh, the game goes on. I mean, I could, I could very well easily see this being a 10, 14 point right. win for Indianapolis. Right. But when I'm, <clears throat> when I'm going through these games and picking who's winning, who's covering, who's not, upset picks i'm also putting trying to put into my head the strategic strategic aspect of you know what you and i got going on because we've got uh report cards that come out every week after uh after each week's game week's games so it's like i if i look at a game and i see a line like indy favorite at seven and a half eight i'm like i feel you would take them I do, uh, and I start like looking for facts and stuff. Like, yeah, okay, I I could reasonably see where they where it could be an under a seven and a half point line. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, and I think what's going to keep the what if the Bengals have a shot, it's going to be that Indianapolis has not looked that great offensively this year. No, the run game has been decent. Their pass game has been bad. And Philip Rivers, I think that at this point we can, if you're an Indianapolis fan, I think most of you would agree with us that Philip Rivers has disappointed so far this year as far as fitting into your scheme. And I know that uh, I've heard Tyler talk to me about this before, where uh, Philip Rivers is a gunslinging type, which doesn't really fit their offensive identity. Uh, so Bengal fans, if there's a hope for you this game, it's that the Colts might beat themselves and just put their offense. Uh, but I don't see the Colts losing to the Bengals in this one, and I have them covering. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the Washington football team and the Giants. Currently, the Giants are favored by three. Who do you have in this one? Um, I could easily, very easily see this being a three to nothing win. That's how bad both of these teams are. Um, I, it's a, it's a toss up, man. The, yeah, it is. Uh, the, these guys, they're so bad. 
They're so bad. There's no fucking way there's going to be any coverage of these two teams on red zone tomorrow. There's no way. The only way they're going to make it onto that red zone channel is if every other early game is at halftime. That's it. Um, but you look at you look at both offenses. Oh, the Giants are dead last in rushing yards per game with seventy. Mm-hmm. The Washington Football Team is second to last at seventy nine. I, I think Washington has more – they have more, I, I don't know, bigger name type of stud players. players. They have better sure, skill players. Sure. A couple better, right? You know, and Gibson, you got Terry McLaurin. Right. Um, Darius – I'm sorry, not Darius Slayton. He plays for the Giants. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, they have more offensive power – than the Giants, which really isn't saying a whole hell of a lot, but the Giants are better on the defensive side of the ball. Washington has the better front four, but outside of that, they're pretty broken all over. Um, so I'm actually going to take the Giants getting their first win at home, first win of the season. I'm going, and I also have them covering the three-point line. All right. I have the Washington football team taking this one. They, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's like you said, this is, I think this is going to be an ugly game. I don't, I don't necessarily see a zero to three score. I'm looking more like, I think it's going to be somewhere around 17 to 14 type, type of a deal. But uh, regardless, it's, it's a coin toss for this one. It really is. It's, it's who's going to suck less, not who's going to play better. It's who's going to suck less, I think in this game. Yeah. And I, I do believe that Washington has, a little bit of an edge as far as skill positions go. So um, for that reason, I'm going to go with them. I'm, I don't know. I'm not really excited about this game. Uh, this is not, this is a game. If I was actually betting money on, I would stay away from. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and if you've got any of the skill positions, I'd stay away from Gibson, but if you, this is, this is a week to start McLaurin. I would also heavily consider starting Darius Slayton as well. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Sorry to break the fourth wall here for just uh-huh. a second, but can, please tell me you can't hear my fucking bitchy little dog fucking yapping downstairs. I've just heard him a couple times. It hasn't been bad. It's fucking animal. Okay. You okay? On to the next. All right. <laughs> so the next game is the game that $700 for something that won't shut the fuck up. The next game is the Ravens and the Eagles. And this game has the line has moved by an, a full two points since really? yesterday. Yeah, really? It was Baltimore seven and a half point favorites yesterday. It is currently Baltimore a nine and a half point favorite, which, which makes it. We both had talked about this earlier. We both had the Ravens covering, but now that the line moved by two full points, are you staying with that? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, oh, fuck, dude. I don't know. The Eagles are at home. Oh, my God. I just can't. I cannot get past how bad the Philly defense has been burnt by tight ends this year. Mm-hmm. 323 yards, five touchdowns to tight ends, and most of those touchdowns coming from the the lack of fucking – solid play they're getting from the lineback, uh, linebacker position. Um, 
and, and Mark Andrews for, for the Ravens. Five touchdowns this season. That's tied for third most of the NFL amongst all receiving options, not just tight ends. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's number one for the tight ends. Um, and then you flip it over, dude. Like, like when the, the we were talking about the the Eagles 49ers Sunday night football game a, go, a couple weeks back, and how Wentz. I mean, he didn't really do shit until the fourth quarter. <clears throat> um. And you were saying that, oh, he, he's, I think the Eagles are starting to show a pulse, and I heavily disagreed. Um, I think last week's slugfest with, with Pittsburgh showed, I'm like, okay, they have, they have a pulse. Yeah, like no, they, they, were, they, they were down by two points with like uh, three and a half minutes left in the game, you know, before, before Pittsburgh put that one away. They, they, they looked good outside of Wentz's two interceptions. And that's my biggest problem with trusting the Carson, Carson Wentz and the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles this year. He has a 53.1 QBR this year with a league-leading nine interceptions. Right. Um, he hasn't taken care of the ball very well. And uh, at nine – yeah, the, give the me Ravens the over. For, the Ravens are very good at forcing turnovers. Give, give, give me the over. Give me the over at nine and a half on the Ravens. This one is very hard for me to call because I – I would have felt comfortable taking the Ravens over up until about nine points. Now that the line's at nine and a half at seven and a half, this is an easy over for me and nine and a half. It gives me pause uh, to think again, that said uh, you brought up something uh, that is a big factor to me. And that's the uh, one Carson Wentz's uh, ability to turn the ball over mm-hmm. and the Ravens ability to force turnovers. This yep. is it's, it's a bad, matchup it's a team that likes to give the ball away and a team that is good at taking the ball away so uh, i do think that this game is going to be a little bit closer uh, than people maybe expect Mm -hmm. i think it's going to be throughout most of the game you're going to see like a one touchdown type score keeping them apart but i I do think the ravens are going to get some big turnovers when it matters most and that's going to put the game out of reach um so i will take the i will take the ravens over on this one still um, yeah, and, and I think what Baltimore is going to do is they're going to look at the game film from last week against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, because Pittsburgh, while forcing two turnovers, got their asses run over by Miles Sanders because they were heavily blitzing right. Carson Wentz to try and rattle him in the pocket. Um, and that opened up a lot of holes for Miles Sanders to run through, and that's like – his 74 yard stomper score came from a shotgun, uh, a shots, a shotgun fucking formation. Mm-hmm. And when you're standing back there and you hand the ball off and they're sending seven or eight people, at you, all you have to do is take one half step back. And it's just like, there's the hole, bam. And he's gone and nobody's catching him. Correct. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, I, I think it's going to be a sloppy day for, for the Eagles. Um, and I, yeah, I, I could easily see Wentz, with two to three more turnovers tomorrow. Yeah. And I believe that this is a game where the Ravens are going to be able to get pressure without having to necessarily have big, right. uh, sending big sack personnel, blitz personnels out there. Uh, you saw them in week one. You saw them, how they just absolutely just stopped the Browns running game. Yep. Um, it made uh, Baker Mayfield's life miserable. And if they can stop the, the Eagles running game and force them to have to play from behind and pass the ball, uh, 
you're it's not looking good for Eagles fans. You're, yeah, you're very right. And the Eagles have one of the worst O lines in the NFL right now. So Correct. it should be it should be a day where they can create pressure sending four. Correct. I agree. So let's go to the next game. Uh, we have one more before we take a break, and that's going to be the Browns and the Steelers. And I think this might be one of the, the most intriguing games of the week. I agree. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a very good game. Uh, I'm assuming because you didn't say anything that the line didn't move. The line has not moved. It's uh, Pittsburgh at still three it, and a half. Still it. Oh, it's three. Okay. Yeah. Three. It was at three yesterday. Was it? Okay. Well, yeah. when I had checked, it was at three and a half before and it still is. So I, I missed it. Okay. It was at three. Okay. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Browns on the road at the Steelers. Um I think you're looking at a Steelers defense that just got gashed by Miles Sanders, like we were just talking about in the run game when the previous three games before they were holding people under. I don't think any running back had any uh, yardage over 54 yards per game through those first three games. And then they gave up close to a buck 70 to Miles Sanders, who had not looked good through this season up to that game. Um, Cleveland, they're four and one for the first time since 2009. Uh, haven't gone five and one since 1994 when uh, Big Dick Bill Belichick was the fucking head coach. Right. Um, the Cleveland Browns over the last three games have covered all three lines. Um, that being said, though, I, I I see Pittsburgh in this one, and I I see them covering. I I, I think. Kareem Hunt is easily a top 10 back. But I think last last week was a little bit eye-opening going, okay, Kareem Hunt's looked really good in the run game behind Chubb, and then he's looked good in the passing game. That's where he's found more most of his efficiency. Um, but Kareem Hunt was held in check last week by – by the Colts. So if you're, if you're the Steelers, you also revert back to the week before and go, okay, we can't be sending seven or eight people towards Baker Mayfield every other down or else Kareem Hunt will Kareem Hunt will gash you. Miles Sanders was just like, Oh shit. Like wasn't, didn't see that coming. You do that shit against Kareem Hunt and that offensive line, he is going to tear your defense up on the ground. Um, but you flip the ball over the Steelers have good, have, have great offensive pieces as well. They've got multiple backs that can hurt you. They got James Connor. Uh, Benny Snell is not a slump as an RB two. You got Juju in the past game. Deontay Johnson has already been ruled out. So So we all touchdowns for chase Claypool. Yeah. I'm I'm predicting two for chase Claypool. Um, I think he could find he could find some room amongst a, a secondary for the Browns that isn't that great, um, especially over the middle. Send him in the slot and get him covered by like Sandejo, and Sandejo has been keeping his ass getting burnt through every right. game this year. Um, right. But even I, I just I, I I like Pittsburgh. I'd like Big Ben more than I like Baker Mayfield. I look at. They're running attacks almost equal. If the, if the Browns had Nick Chubb, I would definitely favor the Browns. Um, 
And then obviously the Browns have the better wide receiving options because you have an OBJ and you have a Jarvis Landry, but they no, there's been no stretch of games since both of those two paired up in Cleveland to where the, it's, they've been super dominant in the past game. And right. you, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a lot of defensive pieces to help lock that down. Um, so yes, please. I will take Pittsburgh at the over. So here's the thing too, when you look at the Pittsburgh defense, and I know that you talked about this when we were discussing the the Ravens Eagles game, uh, the, the Eagles were able to get some runs against Pittsburgh, some big runs against Pittsburgh, because like you said, they were, they were playing the pass. They were playing the blitz game uh, to get pressure on Wentz. That was their strategy for, for winning this one. They said, if we can put pressure on Wentz, we have a chance of winning. They did. It was a little closer than people thought, but it was, you know, and, and they gave up some big runs doing that because when you blitz heavy on the quarterback, you lose gap discipline. Right. Yep. And so that will create some lanes. It's counterintuitive because you're thinking there's more people coming across the line. It's going to uh, block up the lanes for the running back, but running back with good vision, which, which Miles Sanders does have decent vision. Uh, uh, is going to be able to take advantage of a blitz-heavy team. That's especially when they're trying to get pressure on the quarterback. The Steelers don't really need to get pressure on the quarterback against the Browns. Nope. Uh, they they need to stop the run game. Uh, I think that's the the. Um, I mean, you look at how the Ravens beat the Browns. They stopped the run game, and they forced Baker Mayfield to be the main guy on offense. If the Steelers take that same gameplay, which I, I feel like they would, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Uh, as long as they stay disciplined with, with their run defense, I, I really see this game being very difficult for the Browns, um, especially if it becomes a game where Baker Mayfield has to be a dominant player because I don't think he's going to be capable of being a dominant player in this one. So I also have the Steelers covering. I, I like, I, I don't know. I, I honestly think it's going to be a bit of a disappointing game from Browns fan. I think Browns fans are going to get get themselves up and hyped up for this game. And I don't think it's going to be uh, a blowout, but I don't think it's going to be especially close either. Uh, yeah. Stefanski figured out the formula for Baker Mayfield, take the ball out of his hands, establish your running game first, right? right. And then everything opens up into the play action. Right. Um, the, the closer Baker Mayfield plays to like Ryan Tannehill style football, the, the better uh, he will be. Um, yeah. I just, if the Steelers can take that away, Baker Mayfield has done absolutely nothing in his career to give me any type of comfortability thinking that now, oh, today, now he's going to stand into the pocket against a Steelers defense on the road. Mm-hmm. Like if, if the ball gets forced into his hand to win the game, uh, nope, I don't see it. And I would, if, if, if that's the type of game it becomes, I could easily see this being a 10 point line. I, I, do, I, I can too. Uh, so we're going to move on. So I actually, I know I said this was going to be the last game we discussed before the break, but I realized that we accidentally glossed over one game that we were supposed to cover. And that was the Patriots and the Broncos. Currently the line is in favor of new England by eight and a half points. How do you feel about that? Fuck the line moved on this one too. Yeah. Um, we talked about it yesterday. And there's been some updates as to what will probably alter my, my, my decision on this game. Um, you've got the Patriots who their two games at home this year in both games rushed for more than 200 yards in each game. Um, that being a collective of cam 
Burkhead, Sony Michelle, James White. Mm-hmm. Still, those are still impressive fucking numbers. Um, and it's also afforded, you know, they haven't really had to do much through the pass game. Um, the big key here for Denver is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Can you stop the run game and can you force the, can you take the ball away? They only have two takeaways through four games so far this year. The only thing that helps them is that the Patriots are tied for eighth in giveaways. Mm -hmm. I would go ahead and rest assured that the reason they're eighth right now is because I, I would put most of that due to the week three and four, Brian Hoyer, Jared Stidham show because Stidham saw the field for one snap and threw a pick six. So uh, I put a lot of faith into maybe the Broncos being able, not win, but be at least able to stop the Patriots from covering. If they had drew lock back at quarterback, they had Noah Fant back at tight end. Noah Fant's already ruled out. He got ruled out early this afternoon. Um, drew lock is still questionable. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take New England at the over after spending a little bit more time thinking about this game and especially since the line moved down and Noah Fant has been ruled out. And I think if if Fant's been ruled out, I would I would think that they're probably gonna move in the direction to let Drew Locke sit one more week. Yeah, I I I think that for me, uh, if Drew Locke plays Patriots under makes some sense. Uh, if he doesn't play, I have a very hard time uh, seeing the Patriots not covering. Mm-hmm. I am also going to move my my pick to Patriots Patriots covering. Um, I thought you I thought you had him covering yesterday. I no, I had him under. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had him under yesterday, and I am going to move it to covering. And and you know, a big thing about that is no fans uh, being out. Because that is, if if Drew uh, um, if Drew Lock does play, that's his safety blanket. That's his. That's he he loves targeting his tight end. So it's really without a safety blanket. I I, I kind of side with you on this and the fact that there's a good chance I think he sits out one more week. Yeah, I I just I, I don't see if if, if you're a Bronco if it, front office coaching staff the medical staff for the broncos if you're looking at drew lock and you're thinking this is your quarterback for the future you're not making the playoffs right. this year uh, don't rush him back because he was projected to be out four to six weeks and then after two they were like oh he's he's, he's questionable to come back why don't rush him back mm-hmm. but john john elway also hasn't been super sound with his quarterback decisions ever since i don't know bringing in peyton manning yeah he hasn't been that great. So I, I, I would hope for their, for Drew Locke's sake, I would hope they at least give him another week. Cause if you throw him out there at 70% and he takes one big hit, you're, you could be looking at career ending type fucking injury on a shoulder. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to rush back. No. Uh, a quarterback that the, the franchise is so high on. It really doesn't. Um, all right. Well, that concludes the first half of the games we're going to be talking about today. Uh, stick around. Segment two is coming up right after this. Welcome back, everyone. It is time to talk some more football, starting with the Titans and the Texans. Tyler, the Tennessee uh, 
the current line is Tennessee by three and a half. This is this is one of the games that didn't move. This game did not move, which is, is shocking, right? <laughs> that is Titans fans and the organization itself should be insulted by fucking Vegas right now. Mm-hmm. Three and a half, right? Against a one and four team, and they're at home, right? Dude, I don't know. The Titans just got done fucking giving a shellacking to the fucking Bills a couple of days ago. And the Bills are a team that everyone views as a top team in the NFL, like top seven. Right, right. Seven or eight. Seven seven or eight to ten range in that top five to ten range. I wasn't going to go all the way to ten. I think they're definitely seven, top seven, top top eight. But Sure. I mean, either way, the Titans destroyed them. Oh, my God. Dude. And the and meanwhile, last week, the Texans kind of struggle bust their, their way to a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, yes, they won by 16 points, but that game was close for a large stretch of the game, and it was ugly. It was simply ugly. These are two totally different caliber teams. And that score is inflated because of a fucking garbage time touchdown that Brandon Cooks took into the end zone. Correct. Like, it was not a good game for Houston. They should have been blowing the Jags out from the jump, but it stayed close. And I mean, one score close until halfway through the fourth quarter. Right. Right. And you're looking at a Titans team that is one of the few undefeated teams left in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You've got, I understand for the Texans, you've got Deshaun Watson is a top tier quarterback in the NFL. You've got Will Fuller. Will Fuller stayed healthy this year. He's looked really good as the number one. Brandon Cooks has had some some nice, you know, splashes. He had a nice week last week with 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, Randall Cobb even looked okay last week out of the slot. Uh, their run game is almost non-existent. They, their O-line is pretty bad towards the bottom of the league. And their defense is busted and old at their star positions. Like JJ Watt is a great, great defensive end. That's a, that's a dude who is aging and has had a lot of health concerns in his career. That being said, you turn around last week was the first time since week one that we saw the Titans have all of their offensive key pieces together, meaning Tannehill, Derek Henry, Johnu Smith, and A.J. Brown. With those four pieces, this team can win 90% of the time. They're, they're going to be a tough out for anyone. I mean, you saw them with that team beat the Ravens in the playoffs last year. You saw them beat the Tom Brady Patriots last year in the yep. playoffs. This is a team that when they're fully healthy and they have all their pieces, they can go toe-to-toe. They, they were up against the, the Chiefs and, and gave the Chiefs a run for their money, right? So yep. – they, they can go toe-to-toe with anyone. The, to, to have only a three-and-a-half-point line against the Texans, that is downright insulting. I Look, I, I get it. Football, any given Sunday, anything can happen, right? Like, we, we make predictions all the time, and uh, it's you never really know what's, what's going to happen. But there is no common sense. There is no logical prediction that you can make, that, can, that you can convince me that somehow the Texans are going to be competitive in this game. I just no. don't see it. 
any um, given Sunday. Yeah. yeah any given, hey, that, that, that's a great, it, it ain't going to be this Sunday though. I can tell you that much ever since taking over, ever since Tannehill took over the, the QB one role for the Titans halfway through the season last year, he's 11 and three. And that offense averages 30.4 points per game with Tannehill at quarterback. We, that you've got, when they have AJ Brown healthy and Jonu and Derrick Henry all healthy being the key pieces for that offense for Ryan Tannehill, this, this three and a half point, three, 3.5 line in favor of the Titans is honestly, uh, it's fucking disgusting. And they should be favored by well over a touchdown. I'm taking the Titans at over. This is the lock of the fucking week, dude. Yeah. I, I can't agree anymore. I think that's, you know, if I'm not a big a person on actual actually betting on sports, but if I were, this would be the game that I would be putting big bucks on. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Jets in the fins. Dolphins are favored by nine and a half points. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting because these are two teams that we thought would be on the similar level as far as at this point in the season, they'd both be, you know, really struggling. If anything, we, we, I think at the beginning there, we, we thought the jets might have a little bit of better shot at having a decent year, especially considering the second half of the season they had last year. But the fact of the matter is the dolphins are clearly a better team than the jets. Yeah, that's, that's an easy, that's a very easy statement to make. Um, Looking at that, you look at lines for for divisional games, and and you see a hefty line. A lot of people are a little hesitant to to take an over on a, on almost a double digit line. It was ten yesterday. It's nine and um, a half currently. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, this is one of the easiest divisional double digit fucking games to call. Miami being favored for the first time in twenty one games. And it's the first time this team has been favored by a touchdown since November of 2016, almost four years. They've been favored by more, by more than a, by a touchdown. Right. right. The jets on the other hand have lost every single game this season, mm-hmm. Oh, and five, and they've lost by at least nine points, at least nine points. And the line is nine and a half. You look at what fucking Miami did to a 49ers team last week. They blew them out of the fucking water. And the Jets got their dicks kicked in by the 49ers, even as broken as they were with a fucking backup quarterback. Yeah. This is so this is not going to be a fun game to watch, and I swear to God if Adam Gase has a fucking I will not be able to understand how Adam Gase will be the head coach of this team after this week because they are going to get their asses fucking beat. Right. And now I want to be as sincere as possible when I say this. I want people to understand this. I really do mean this. I understand that being where we are in our position, we don't know as much as NFL head coaches. We're not as talented and when it comes to football knowledge. We don't, we don't have the, the strategies that they have. We don't know the game like they know the game. That being said, you or I could do a better job than Adam Gase, and I mean that 100%. And, I, and that's not a reflection on us. That's a reflection on Adam Gase, how god-awful he is as a head coach. And it's, he's not just bad when it comes to the X's and O's. He pisses off his entire team, too. Like, his, the locker room hates him. Yep. You know, you, you, if he can't be a good coach, at least be a good person. 
you know, at least, at least be likable so that they're, they're going to go out there and try for you and, and not just try for themselves. He can't even do that. He, he can't even get that part of the, that human aspect of the game down. Uh, he has destroyed Sam Arnold's career. Um, I don't think Sam Darnold uh, is. Per- uh, no, uh, look, I, I don't think Sam Darnold is particularly a great prospect. I wasn't nearly as high on him as a lot of, uh, you know, media types were when he came out. I've never really been high on Sam Darnold. He, a lot of mistakes he makes are on him. He overthrows receivers. He will take sacks when he can just throw the ball away. He makes a lot of just foolish mistakes, but Adam Gase and the offense that he designs is so bad, so bad that I've come to believe, and I really believe this. The only reason why he looked good in Denver was because the quarterback he had was Peyton Manning. And what did Peyton Manning do right before he snapped the ball every single time? He changed the play, right? He calls audibles. Peyton Manning was the king of moving shit up on, on the line, right? Well, he doesn't have a quarterback that knows the game like Peyton Manning does. It wasn't Adam Gase that led the Broncos offensively that year. It was Peyton Manning who was the offensive coordinator for, coordinator for the Broncos that year. Let's, let's be real because everything we've seen from Adam Gase since has been, I'm, I'm sorry, he is awful. Awful. And that is my soapbox. I, I had to get that off my chest. I agree with everything you said about gays. Um, I'm, I don't agree with you so much as your take on Sam Darnold yet. Um, <clears throat> Sam, I mean, and it, it, it's, it's, it's the situation that a lot of first round quarterbacks, especially in the top, 10 to 15, it's the same, it's the same situation they that a lot of them find themselves in. They get drafted high by really shitty teams. Mm-hmm. And the Jets have been really shitty for a long time. Mm-hmm. Darnold has shown that he can't he can be an NFL starting caliber quarterback. You date back to last year when Darnold caught the kissing disease. And he was out, and then they had they were starting guys who worked at Enterprise, rent a car, at fucking quarterback, and it's just ugly. When he came back, he took that same team and went seven and six with them. I I, I think what Darnold it, Darnold's career is finished if he stays with the Jets. Correct. Correct. If he if he could move on to somewhere else, maybe somewhere in a trade, like a popular fucking a, a trade pr- proposal idea um, in, including Darnold right now is Darnold to the Colts. And I actually think that fit is beautiful. I really do. I, you got a young guy, you got someone you can restart over with. Uh, I, and it makes much more sense than gunslinger. Phillip rivers is old, old ass. Like uh, you got a better uh, offensive line there too, to keep him healthy, keep him protected. I, this is a team that I could so easily see go 0-16 and yeah. have the number one overall pick. But just a quick side note before we move on to the next. Fitzpatrick, through the last four games, from a fantasy standpoint, has had at least 21 fantasy points each week. If you are streaming a quarterback, I, we'll, be getting, we'll be doing our fantasy episode later on today. If you're streaming a quarterback, Fitz is a solid option if he's on the waiver wire. I agree. Uh, so you have the Dolphins covering. Yesterday we talked, I had the Dolphins under. I'm actually going to change that. I do think the Dolphins cover 
for me, there was a bit of that that sticker shock uh, when I saw that line and seeing the the Dolphins, you know, being a favorite for for that much. But more I think about it, you made a you made a great point, which is the the Jets have lost every game by at least nine points. They got to mm-hmm. prove that they cannot lose more than the Dolphins have to prove that they can put up points. And the Dolphins have already shown they can put up points. The Jets haven't shown they can keep games close. And that and that nine point loss was against Denver on Thursday night football while Denver was sporting a backup quarterback and they still hung up 30 plus points on them. Right. Right. So I'm, I am also taking dolphins covering this one. Let's move on to the Packers and the Buccaneers. The line has moved a little bit. It is now green Bay favored by one. It was one and a half. So people have some faith in the bucks. If they're moving the line that direction, I have faith in the Packers in this one. I do too. Um, I, I see this being a four or five point win for, uh, for the Packers. Um, when you're looking at green Bay this year, you've got the green Bay offense through the last four games is they have a 93.3 offensive efficiency rating. And through that stretch, they've been scoring at least 30 points a game and they've committed no turnovers. So, that being with, with with all of that is showing it's showing you that like Aaron Rodgers is starting to show the form of old. Like Aaron Rodgers is being is is coming back to be that bad motherfucker that he was a couple years back, and and that's with the same offensive pieces you had. Everyone through the draft, free agency, they were like they need to get Aaron Rodgers some offensive help. Like yeah. yes, you have Aaron Jones, yeah. you got Devontae, but you need offensive help. Jimmy Graham left in free agency and went to Chicago. They're like, we need help. What did they do? They traded up in the first round and took Jordan Love. Yeah, and I know that Aaron Rodgers has been obviously a man driven, a man possessed since the since they did that. He obviously did not love that pick. Um, you know, and then it's and then you you look into the the, the second round that they took that you've got Aaron Jones, who's a solid number one, and you got Jamal Williams, who is a very capable number two. They took a running back in the third round. That, that was the biggest head scratcher. Like, I understand drafting a quarterback that you want to be the the, the replacement. It's what they did, you know, forever ago with the Brett Favre yes. and Aaron Rodgers thing, right? Like, I, I get that. Okay, whatever. You're not going to find – okay, no, I'm not going to say you're not going to. You still can. But it's harder to find good quarterback talent later on – and sometimes you just have to use a high pick to find a guy that you believe in. The running back, though, that made no sense whatsoever. Why waste a second-round pick on a running back that's going to be your third-string back? The difference in the Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love-type draft day comparison, though, uh, in 04, Aaron Rodgers was projected to go number one. Mm-hmm. And instead, Alex Smith went number one to the 49ers. Right. And then Aaron Rodgers slid all the way down to 24 yeah. to the Packers. Yeah. I remember uh, watching that live. That was crazy. Nobody, nobody, draft analysts, nobody predicted Jordan Love going in the first round. But it, everyone said, if he does, it's going to be to the Packers. And then sure as shit, you see them draft up right after San Francisco took Brandon Ayuk in the first round of this last year's draft, they're like, Oh, maybe they're making a play for, uh, uh, for a receiver or something. No Jordan love. And I like, he wasn't that great in college. He had one good year. And then 
you hear all the reports coming out of training camp saying that like, he looks fucking terrible. Like you, I hope you keep Aaron Rodgers for at least another two to three seasons and let him sit back and fucking learn behind a great, like Aaron Rodgers did uh, coming out of Cal and sitting behind Brett Favre. But. Well, the way that Aaron has played, the way Aaron has played, it's uh, he's not at risk of, of losing that position. Not that he ever really was at risk of losing the position. That's really kind of one of those decisions that is going to be up to him of how long he wants to keep that starting job. Because at the end of the day, if he, if he wants to move somewhere else, that's the only way I see love getting in there and, and being a quarterback in the near future, because he is not going to see action for at least this season. And I'm very confident saying at least next season as well. Um, and it's because Aaron Rodgers is playing so well. I agree. I, I don't see them. I don't see them losing to the Bucks. I don't like you look at Tom Brady, you look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, Tom Brady's had flashes of, of looking great this year. Um, like the second half in the Chargers game. But Aaron Rodgers has been doing that all year long. And no, the Packers have not faced a defense as quality as the Bucks. Uh, they've actually gotten away with playing against some pretty, pretty shitty defenses. But they did what they're supposed to. They took care of it, right? Like that, you can't fault them for that. You don't no. choose your opponents. You you go out there and you do what you're supposed to do. And they've done what they were supposed to be, to be doing. He has a lot of rhythm and chemistry going with his receivers right now. They they have uncovered a great talent at tight end who uh, went off for three touchdowns a couple of weeks ago. They have uh, their um, a nice interesting battle for wide receiver two between Anthony Lazard and uh, Valdez Scantling. I don't see I don't see the Packers losing this one, and I um, I would take them. I think that the line is is a little too close, honestly. Uh, so you brought up the 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 point of they haven't faced a, a top tier defense, and you're 100 percent right because their their wins have come against the Vikings, the Lions, the Saints, and the Falcons. The Saints being the only group that you could you you could consider right. like a, a, a okay half, yeah like a decent right defense correct. Um, correct and they won that game by seven mm-hmm. but I mean every other they've blown out the Bucks can move the ball they have great offensive pieces Godwin coming back this week Evans hopefully returning to a hundred percent. You've got Scotty Miller still out of the slot who was held to nothing. So he's probably going to go the fuck off this week. And, and you've got Fournette in the backfield. So you've got your RB two back, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. I still think this is going to be, I'm not going to say it's going to be a, a blowout win, but I, I, like I said, four to five point line, I'd be comfortable taking in favor of the Packers, especially Correct. since they are getting back Devontae Adams. He's 100% healthy. He's 100% go. He is back this week. Look for a big game for Devontae Adams. And, and the Bucks defense, good as they are, they're going to have their hands full trying to stop the passing game and the run game of Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is just continued the monstrous uh monstrous uh attack he he started last season he has done that this year he's he's looked great this year Devonta adams is always fantastic aaron Rodgers is playing the best ball he's played in years I, the the bucks have not seen an offense this good in the same way that the packers have not seen a defense this good uh yeah i got packers covering yeah, and when you're talking about Aaron Jones too, like the Bucks are the number one rush defense, but they're going to be without Vita Vey, right. their star defensive tackle. This could be a part of the game plan where Matt Lafleur could 
with a with his replacement and could look to attack running up the middle. So if they can get that shit going, Aaron Jones will have another nice day. And, and that actually you bring you bring up a point there with uh, with Lafleur, um, who by, by the way is is he not um, a, a lookalike for what's his fucking the guy from uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds? Is he not like a lookalike of Ryan Reynolds? I I I have never seen him. I think Deadpool, the guy that played Deadpool. Um, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, and yeah. no, not really. Uh, all right, well, Lafle- Matt Lafleur has had two seasons. So has the Bucks head coach. Both have had two seasons with their current teams. The difference is Bruce Arians has a whole new set of skill players that he's integrating into his system at quarterback at, I guess, tight end. If you, if you consider that, um, whereas Lafleur is, he has a lot of continuity, especially with the skill positions. Those are all Devonta Adams, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers. Like those guys have all been there. Uh, they already know his system. They've had a year to, to get to know his system. They were a bit off last year, but we're seeing this year how well they can do within that system. That continuity, especially for the first half of this season, is going to, I think, propel the Packers to have a bit of an advantage over a lot of teams they face who are going to be playing catch-up when, when they're playing against teams that maybe have uh, big free agents that came to them this year or, or big trades that happened uh, over, over the uh, summer. So let's go ahead and look at the next game. Then we both agree Packers covering. Yes. 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 Uh, Rams and the 49ers Rams. They were favored by three. They are currently favored by two and a half. So what? Yeah. Somehow people have faith that the Niners are going to win. You know what? I, I actually, I don't even know what it is. I, I can't put my, wrap my mind around this one i don't get it i thought if anything the line would move in favor of the rams more yeah what are we missing here tyler i i don't know the 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 49ers aren't winning this game and the rams are going to win it by more than two three points uh this is this is going to be a San Francisco threw five games, which they've gone two and three in, and that was the easy part of their schedule, mind you. Mm-hmm. They have, for the rest of the season, they have the toughest schedule, strength of schedule through the rest the, of the year. Their schedule is insane. I, I I know that you gave me a breakdown of it the other day. <laughs> they might have a high lottery pick this year. I'm pretty sure I can do it. Or high draft pick, I mean. I'm pretty sure I can do that off the top of my head now. You got the Rams. Yep. Patriots. Yep. Uh, they got the Saints, the Packers, the Seahawks still twice. Correct. Uh, they've got the Bills on Monday Night Football, which when this preseason, like the 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 schedules got announced, you and I was we're just both like, oh, the Bills got to travel to the West Coast against this team. Yeah, the 49ers are probably no. You can start Matt Barkley, and you're gonna win this fucking game. Uh, you saw the yeah. Cardinals again too. Yeah, and it's on the road, and they mm-hmm. have the Rams again, and it will be on the road. This te- I don't see another game this team is favored in. I've already covered that. The San Francisco 49ers have allowed 18 sacks through five games. The Rams are tied for a lead league in sacks at 20. The 49ers haven't faced a pass rush as dominant as the fucking Rams. This team is going to destroy the offensive an offensive line 
that, uh, well, guess what? It has, it, they've looked so fucking suspect the last two weeks. Trent Williams is not looking like he was worth the value that they traded for because he looked dominant through two games in the last, mm-hmm. last three games. He has looked horrible getting worked by defensive edge rushers that you don't even know who the fuck they are. Yeah. I see this being at least a touchdown victory for the Rams. I see Aaron. I could easily see Aaron Donald having at least two and a half sacks. Um, I'd say, go ahead. I would take they're at 20. Now I'd go ahead and say they're easily going to be at 25 after the Sunday night game. And when I look at the Rams receivers too, uh, between Cooper cup and Robert Woods, I think one, if not both of them are going to have big games. Yeah. The 49ers have nobody to cover. Nobody. Right. Jason Verrett is the best thing they have going for him right now. And he's the fifth, he's the fucking fifth string corner. Uh, I, I, I this is going to be an ugly game. I hate betting against my fucking team because there was a part of me that wanted to choose this as my upset. You know, like as a fan, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Fucking sure. no, yeah. no, no. I'm I'm out. The 49ers will have a top five pick next year. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of people out there who haven't quite wrapped their minds around the fact that the Niner season is done. It it's done. It's and it's not because they're a bad team. It's because they're an injured team. Yep. You can't re- – they don't have the players. And they have – and what's crazy is they've had – they have good depth. The Niners mm-hmm. have solid depth. But the extent of injuries that they have had this year makes it so to the point where it's, it's not a matter of depth. It's the depth behind the depth. The depth, it's, right. Right. It's, you're ta- it's insane. You're, you're talking about when, once D Ford started his – Baby back bullshit. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, no, no, it's my back. Blah. Fuck off. Once Bosa went down, the 49ers actively searched to find a replacement. They brought in uh, Dion Jordan. They brought in Ziggy Ansah. That like Jordan's still playing, but on- Ziggy Ansah played like a game and a half, and now he's out for the season. Right. Like they have, they can't, the 49ers can't catch a break this year. This is one of the hardest Super Bowl hangovers I've ever seen any team go through. Yeah, no. I- Top five pick, trade D Ford, get some draft capital, cut Jimmy Garoppolo, and find your next – get a veteran quarterback and draft a quarterback in the top five. I agree with that. Uh, and I know we spent a lot of time talking about the Niners in this matchup. Let's talk about the Rams for a second here. The Rams, uh, they're looking decent. They've had some ups and downs. They had an ugly win against the Giants. They had a, a strong win last week uh, against, the, I believe, it was the Washington football team. Yep. The Rams have have explosive power. They, they they do. They have a. I want to say I'm not going to say elite, but a very good front four. Um, they have a, they have Aaron Donald, who is an elite player, leading that front four. Uh, the Rams have a potential to be a very good team. They also do tend to kind of shoot themselves in the foot a little bit. They don't they don't always play to their level of potential. So if this game ends up somehow being an upset or somehow being closer than it should be. It's I, I don't think it's the Niners beating the Rams as much as it's going to be the Rams beating themselves. As a fan, I hope this isn't an upset. I hope, because all it's going to turn anybody into on social media, Twitter, Facebook, anything, they're just going to be like, see, we could still do it. Garoppolo fucking came back, and he got us a win. Just wait. Just wait till you have to go travel to Foxborough. 
Yeah. It's over. Let, yeah. let 49er fans join me. Let go of hope for 2020. And let's just regain our focus and focus on next year. Fuck, fuck it for this year. Yeah. yeah. Revenge tour 2020. No, fuck this shit 2020. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go on. So we just talked about your team. Let's talk about my team, the Bills. And they're playing against the Chiefs, which is just uh, – no, no fan in, likes it when their team plays against the Chiefs. Huh? That's what it is. Chiefs are five-point favorites still. This may be the homer in me, but I have Kansas City winning but not covering. Yeah, that's that's the fan in you. <clears throat> so tell me why I'm, I'm being biased here. Go ahead and give me a breakdown. You know why you're being biased, man. It's because you. I know why, but I want you to tell. I want you to say why. Like, why are the Bills not going? uh, Why are the Chiefs going to cover? You've got two teams that both took surprising losses. I wouldn't even Mm -hmm. say. I'd say like, like the Chiefs losing by I think it was like eight points to the Raiders was more surprising to me, or was less surprising. My apologies than what the Bills did against the Titans. Oh, they were. They were. They were awful. Horrible. Josh Allen looked so good through four games. Mm -hmm. 15 touchdowns, one interception. Like you find, like it's looking like he finally figured out his turnover problems. And then he got baited into two ugly ass interceptions by Malcolm Butler against a defense that isn't that great. They're like, for starters, they were like dead last in third down stops and they were able to stand up and stop stop Josh Allen a few number of times. Um, the, the bills really are missing the presence of Zach Moss, who is going to be their short yardage and goal line back. And they've been relying a lot on Devin Singletary as their back who Devin Singletary is a nice player and all, but being able to have that two headed attack of Singletary and Moss, I think is going to uh, be good for the bills. Zach Moss does come back this game. That being said, there, there, there's no excuse to be made for how the Bills played against the Titans last week. That was, that was awful. And Josh Allen had uh, an old Josh Allen episode, and I am really hoping as a fan that that was an exception and not the rule. You, you brought up missing Zach Moss, and and yeah, Devin Singletary is the focal point in the running game, and he was when Zach Moss was there, but those short yardage situations that you're talking about Singletary wasn't getting the ball. Right. It was TJ Yeldon who was getting the ball and he was right. converting it more times than not. I, you should be as a bills fan, hoping that you can either win or at least in your case, make sure Kansas city doesn't cover comes through the pass game. Mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs, right? Great addition. Great addition. Giving mm-hmm. get giving, Josh Allen, a clear-cut number one. He's averaging 101.8 yards per game. That's second in the NFL amongst wide receivers. Yeah, he's, Chief, he's doing great. The Chiefs on the defensive side of the ball have allowed two 100-yard receiving games this year to wide receivers. It, you're not, not going to be I – do, I don't see this being a game you're going to beat the Chiefs on the ground because the Chiefs, in my opinion, will dictate the pace of this game. Mm-hmm. And they have shown that they're okay abandoning the run game whenever they so feel because 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire is getting no fucking love anymore. Especially now that they picked up uh, Le'Veon Bell. Well, this is like the last true week for CEH to fucking show himself like as the clear cut number one since Le'Veon Bell has to have five straight days of testing negative mm-hmm. for COVID before he can go into the facility. So he Le- Le'Veon Bell won't be available this week, but he'll sure as fuck be available next week. But even with that being, I don't see Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell hasn't done shit since his last season in fucking Pittsburgh. I don't see him having much more of an impact on the Chiefs team than LaShawn McCoy had when he came over to the Chiefs. Um, I, he'll be down, he'll, he'll be proficient in the pass game. Outside of that, maybe some goal line touches. The fucking Chiefs, the Chiefs, even with a good running back, yeah, you can say that CEH got stuffed uh, like five times at the Seven. goal line. Seven. In in one game though, in one, in game. one game, and yeah. you abandoned it completely. Yeah. How about instead of fucking abandoning it, give him, give him more opportunity. You can't just say, oh well, we saw it in one game and that was it. And it was the first game of the season too. And and you're not only talking about that. You you watch you go back and watch those goal line carries. JJ Watt was busting through the O line before fucking Edward Solaire even had the ball in his hand. Correct. Like. The, the the Kansas City line ain't great by any means necessary, but I'm sorry. I trust Mahomes in this game. I trust Tyreek, Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and Miko Hartman more than I trust Josh Allen, who had a really, really bad game. Even though the Bills are at home, I feel like the Chiefs are going to have more of a chip on their shoulder, and I feel like they're going to have a little bit more to prove to show that they're still the top tier team in this, in this, in the NFL. Um, so I have the chiefs covering by five, by more than five. Okay. So you're taking the chiefs covering. I'm taking the chiefs at under let's move on to the final game before we get to our upset picks of the week. Yes, and that is the Cardinals and the Cowboys Cardinals favored by one and a half points. Th- this game could go either way. I-, I really see it being able to go either way. Who do you who do you feel is going to take it? I agree with you. This game could very easily go either way. Um, a lot of that having to do with the fact that these are two teams that have two very good offenses mm-hmm. and two very bad defenses. Right. Um, and you even look at it like the Dallas offense has eleven turnovers through this year. And that's the most in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So as great of a fucking offense they have, they have had, they've been the number one problem about turning the, turning the ball over in the NFL this year, Arizona on the other end only has three takeaways, which is tied for the third fewest. Right. And I'm going to be honest. I don't see Dallas having that turnover bug as much. Maybe with Andy Dalton, you never know. He's a wild card when he throws the ball. Um, But a lot of Dallas's turnovers came from fumbles. And uh, Zeke has already had a statistical anomaly amount of fumbles for the games that he's played. I, I don't see him fumbling the ball again this week. And I do see Zeke having a very good game. I, I believe that Dallas is going to shift their offense a little bit. Not, not as much as people think, right? People are talking about, oh, it's going to be a Zeke offense. I do think they're going to shift it a little bit more of a run-centric offense. But they still have three really good receivers and Andy Dalton is a gunslinger, right? He, he does not have a weak arm. The guy can chuck the ball. 
He's going to throw it. He's going to be out there throwing it. He went nine for 11 after he came in to replace uh, Dak Prescott in the game. Yeah, there's not a, as dramatic of a gap between Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton than a lot of people are really making. Like, yes, Dak, Dak is really good. Mm-hmm. I'm out on calling him elite, but he is a he is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely. Sure. There's not a huge gap between between the two of them. I think what, what you people could still don't realize. I'm, I'm sorry for cutting you off and I'll let you get back to your point here. But what people don't realize is Andy Dalton has never had the quality of offensive line or the quality receivers that he has now in Dallas. Not that Dallas's O-line is elite by any means, but it's a hell of a lot better than the mess they have there in Cincinnati and the receiver depth that he has in Dallas. Plus the running game. He's never played with this stable of talent on the offensive end. And yeah. sorry, I'll let you get back to your point. No, you're right. Um, I mean, the, the one clear cut wide receiving option Andy Dalton's ever had through his career was AJ Green. And AJ, and that was when AJ AJ Green was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you, you you turn the tables, you have an Amari Cooper, you have a Michael Gallup, a CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz is proving right. right to be more than capable to right. step in. You have a very uh, good pass catching back as well. It, yes. Yeah, two, and, and, two good pass catching backs. Tony Pollard isn't bad either when he comes in and relieves uh, Zeke. And you have, you have uh, an offensive line, which is like, it, it, it's not great. It's, it's not great, but it's still top tier. When you look at it, it, it's almost like you're looking at that O line as a disappointment as to what they built for an O-line that they sustained for five to six years. Right. Like, oh, um, they're they're like a top 10 O-line. They're no longer a top three O-line, but they're right. still a very decent right. O-line. Um, I realized that there's playmakers on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Arizona in this game, obviously to cover at one and a half. I think – what's going to be the killer for that Dallas defense is Kyler Murray has the capability to beat you mm-hmm. with his arm mm-hmm. and his legs. I think that combination is going to kill this Dallas defense. That's already bad to begin with. Um, I, I, I see this, this, I see this is a game where Kyler Murray has over hundred yards rushing, probably a score, um, D hop is going to light this secondary up. I, I just, I have more faith. I would take the Cardinals at three. I want, I like, I wanted to make the call for Dallas and be like, uh, this is going to be the, 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 the everyone's going to pull it together for Dak. The, the, the I, win one for the skipper type deal. I, I personally believe that moment already happened when he went out of the game and Andy Dalton led the game winning drive, I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a fucking like, like hangover. Andy Dalton's got to play a full game, not just a drive. Like I I see Arizona being able to, to control the clock and control the fucking game with Kyler Murray. I I've got Arizona in this one. Sorry, Dak. So you're taking Arizona. I'm taking Dallas. Uh, Again, it could go either way. I like all the offensive weapons of Dallas. 
Dallas better than I like all the offensive weapons of, of Arizona. And by that, I mean, uh, really Kyler Murray. He's, he's the big offensive weapon. Josh yes. Hawkins, obviously too, but uh, Kyler Murray is going to give Dallas fits. He's going to give him fits, but the, the arsenal of weapons that Dallas has on the other side of the ball is going to give Arizona fits. Uh, and then you look at the fact that Dallas, I believe is a more complete team offensively, whereas Arizona, they don't have outside of Kyler Murray. They don't have a very established run game. The no, no. combination of Kenyon Drake or, or even uh, uh, Chase, Chase Edmonds, Edmonds is going is going to replicate what Zeke can do. And if Zeke's having, for whatever he's having a bad game, Tony Pollard too. Tony Pollard's an, an incredibly underrated uh, backup running back in this league. So I'm taking Dallas. I think it's a coin flip. I, I think it's going to be a good game. This should be a fun one to watch. It's going to be high scoring, I believe. And it's, 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 as I believe it will be dramatic, especially at the end. And it's going to be emotional. I think it's going to be emotional for a lot of Dallas players and a lot of Dallas fans. I think, I think, and you make a great point about the run games for both. I just feel like Kyler Murray with his ability to run and escape, I think that almost neutralizes the playing field when you're talking about the running games for both teams because Andy Dalton is not much of a fucking scrambler. That is very true. That is very true. So that wraps up the games for the week. Now it is time for us to go to our upset picks, which we will get to here shortly. So see you guys. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. Welcome back to wow, 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 wow! All right, like commentary. My name is DC, and I'm here with my buddy Tyler again. We're gonna be going over our upset picks of the week. I'm a colossal douchebag who tries to talk like this, even though I have no radio personality whatsoever. Who do you have for your upset pick of the week, DC? What does DC stand for, sir? That's actually the better question. Are you done? Are you, are, are you done? Uh, I'm glad I'm glad you're enjoying it. I thought it was funny. You start every segment the same way. Oh good. We're still recording. That means you haven't stopped it. Hey, consistency, right? So we're gonna look at the Falcons and Vikings game. That is my upset pick. And I have the Falcons uh winning in this one. Minnesota is a four-point favorite. Um, Look, there are four games this week where I went with the underdog. This is the one that had the biggest spread, so that's why it is my upset pick of the week. Do I think the Vikings can win? Sure, absolutely. I think the Falcons are desperate. I think they're hungry. I think they're better than their record shows. They got some defensive players back last week, which are they are now integrating and implementing, and they're going to have more repetitions. The Vikings are without Dalvin Cook. They still have an excellent backup running back in Alexander Madison, but they are without Dalvin Cook, which is a which is a factor considering how much they've relied on him. I think the Falcons are going to surprise everyone, and they're going to take this one. It's it's finally, finally going to be their week i think they're going to get ahead early and for once not completely blow a lead it is not their week 
and I, this was, I, I cannot believe you're anyone holding faith that the Falcons are not going to be zero and six are fucking higher than duck pussy. My friends, like, uh, come on. Like, the one bright spot that the Falcons have going for him is Calvin Ridley. That's it. He has an NFL high 400 yard receiving games this season. But where are a lot of those fucking, where are a lot of those yards coming from? Garbage time, my friend. And they're coming at last second desperations to try and get into the fucking end zone. They're coming from two minute drills. Like, no, like Calvin Ridley was held pretty damn quiet up until that final drive last week. And it's just like, I don't understand why Matt Ryan did the same thing with Julio Jones too. The past couple of years. It's like, you don't want to target your best guy on the field. Until you're trailing and it's crunch time. Target them early, you'll get a lead. You were right that the Falcons got some defensive help. What did it show for? Another double-digit loss. Both defenses are very generous against the pass. So this would this is going to be a week where Calvin Ridley will eat. You're right. But so will Adam Thielen. So will Justin Jefferson. Alexander Madison will have a 100-yard game against this horrible defense. It's not going to be close. It's not. I've got Minnesota at four. I, I have them take, covering with ease. This is almost as easy to call as the Titans and Texans game. Like, this is your upset? Absolutely. And I'm going to correct you, too. They did not lose by double digits last week. They lost by a touchdown. Uh, it doesn't matter. Look, dude. look the, the Falcons are due for a win. No, they are not. The Vikings are not a great team. They're not, especially without their star running back, who has shouldered that team. He has thrown that team on his shoulders and rushed them all the way up to a, what is it, a one and four record. Let's not act like the Vikings are, are world beaters. And they're bad on defense. They're okay on offense. They're good in the run game. They're good in the pass game too. And they're going up yeah. against they're going up against the best possible matchup in the pass game you could have in the NFL against Atlanta. Th- yep. This is not going to be close. This is not going and this is the second straight week that you have bet against the fucking Vikings and you are going to be wrong again. Did not realize you were such a Vikings fan. I'm not, but when you're looking at the matchups and the poorest teams that they're fucking playing, you're fucking wrong. You're wrong. All right. Obviously, I think I'm right, and I'm taking the Falcons to win. You're taking the Vikings to cover. Let's yes, I on. am. Let's move on to the Lions. Just go and- ahead. Just go ahead and go into your little spreadsheet and put an A next to my name right now, because I'm just saving you time. 24 hours from now does the a stand for asshole is that what i are i am an asshole but i am also correct ah i see so you want to see no i'm getting a i'm okay. getting a on this motherfucker okay. you're getting it you're getting an f motherfucker oh, am i yes you are am i we'll find we'll, we'll see about that lions and jags lions and jags i look i got the lions covering this one but well, you okay? Okay, are hold, saying, up, hold, hold up, hold up, shut up. This is my upset pick. Yeah, I let you talk for yours. Sure, go ahead, talk. Let away. me go ahead and explain as to why I have the Jags at mm-hmm. home upsetting mm-hmm. a bad Lions team. Okay, guess what? These are two also pretty bad teams. 
And like you said, there were mm-hmm. a number of games that you could have easily gone and gone against the line and saying, yes, I pick, I considered the Brown Steelers. I, I, I didn't even kind of consider the Vikings and Falcons, like not even a little bit. I considered the Chiefs and the Bills until I remembered who was playing quarterback for the fucking, for the Chiefs. The Lions this year give up 170.3 yards per game rushing. Mm-hmm. That's the worst in the league. Yep. James Robinson has had at least 17 touches in every game this year, totaling at least 90 yards in all but one game this year. James Robinson has looked really nice for the Jaguars in the run and pass game. The line is only three. I think Matt Stat. I think it'll be a higher scoring game than some believe. Absolutely. But, I do agree with that. Yeah. But with the fact that the Jags have what the Lions don't, and that's a run game, because both have pretty bad defenses as well. I would give the upper hand to the to the Lions in, in, in with when when you're talking about the passing game but the running game is what sets the fucking tone and if you can run the ball you can control the clock and you can control the game i've got the jaguars covering in this game so the lions have a a decent rush attack they don't have any one guy who's taken over but they have uh, they have a three-headed rotation uh run running back by committee system as lions as the lions Has anyone in that backfield cracked 100 yards this year? No, I don't believe so. But has the have they as a committee cracked 100 yards? Yeah, absolutely. When when you when you're uh, spreading the touches around, you don't need one guy to crack 100. You need the committee to crack 100. But the Lions have what the Jaguars don't have, and that is not one but two legitimate red zone threats. And Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson. Okay. This is going to be the difference between when the Lions get to the red zone, they're going to be scoring touchdowns more often than not. Whereas I see the Jaguars settling for too many field goals. Okay. Okay. That's actually not really a fair statement to make. DJ Chark is a presence in the red zone. And what, what he's a presence, but he's not, he's not the level of receiver threat. That Kenny Galladay is in the red zone. He's he doesn't have Galladay's size. He's he's I mean, he's not. But you saying that they have no red zone fucking threats is an incorrect statement, my friend. They, he does. They don't have the level of red zone threats. Got to get they there don't. first. They don't, and they will. First. They will. Uh, I, I think dude, Matthew Stafford's gonna have a great game. Yeah, I think James Robinson's going for at least a buck fifty on the ground um, because the fucking the lions in the ground game can't, can't stop a running nose. So. I didn't realize Jacksonville was so good at stopping the run game themselves. <laughs> they're not, but they're not. And the but lions they have, are they have ha- a running back that has at least 90 yards in four of five games. The lions do not. They do not. I don't want to hear three headed monster. I do, when it's especially when you're talking about it, it's Adrian Peterson, DeAndre Swift, never called and him whoever. A monster. The it's fuck, a committee. Who, committee Johnson who gives a Karen shit. Johnson's the third guy. See, look how forgettable he became. My upset pick is more sound. I was able to back it up more than your 
bullshit fucking pick for the Falcons figuring it out five games in without their head after they fired their head coach and their GM. I'm going to be right again this week. I'm going to have the higher GPA. Thank you. You want to place a little side bet on this? Okay. Yeah, I mean you're you already here's here's my side bet. All right, I'll put a six pack on this that the the Ryan the Lions running back committee will have more rushing yards than than your boy James for Jacksonville. Oh, I'll take that all fucking day because there's absolutely nobody taking touches away from Robinson. I will take that all day, bro, all fucking day. So, to be clear, it's. And I'm going to say it's not, not that Matthew Stafford is like a, a rushing threat. No, quarterbacks it's, do not count. Right. It's going to be rushing yards from the running back position on the yes. Lions compared to uh, James Robinson's total. Yes. Right. And we're doing yardage. We're not doing touchdowns. We're doing yardage. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll take that all day. All right. That's a really bad. That's another bad bet to make with me, my friend. We'll see. We'll see. Some people never learn. You, you, uh, as to you, I have the higher GPA so far through two weeks of this podcast. You do. You do. You do. I've been closer with my upset picks too, even though we both both are both are zero and two. But I've been closer in both. You've done very well in picking uh, teams that lose. I suppose I, I don't know how to comfort you there, but but we will find out. And the best part is unlike all the other fucking podcasts out there, all like, unlike all the other sports talk shows, we actually hold ourselves accountable. So next week, whether Tyler and his fucking mouthing off ass is correct or whether I am correct, we will know and we will hold ourselves accountable to it. I've got the stat trends to back up my, my fucking talk, bro. It's been two weeks, guy. I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't care. We're also both two and three in our money league. So we're exactly the same in that too. Uh, Except I'm ranked. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Two and three, bro. Mm. Look at the numbers. Mm. You know, you know who cares? You know who cares? The playoffs care when they look at the tiebreaker and look at the fact that I've outscored literally every, everyone else in the league. You know, who doesn't care? This guy. I don't give a fuck. We're both true. two and three. We're both equally bad. It's just uh, not true I, I t- because uh, if we're tied at the end of the season, I'm getting the playoffs. You're not. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll just have to wait and see, bud. We there's will. No t- there's no tying in this podcast. Will. I will come out victorious. I, Go I, fuck I, yourself. Can I, can I say that I am so excited that we have another podcast that we get to do today. I, I got to so tell excited. you, buddy, I am so gosh darn excited that we get to do this all over again later when we're talking about our fantasy picks, even though really I don't really know what the fuck I'm talking about because I was so high on Terry McLaurin last week, but good golly gosh, was I fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's going to help is that there's going to be like at least a three-hour break in between this one, which we did yesterday, but somebody fucked up and we had to do it again today. Zoom, uh-huh. thank you. Um, and, and the, the next one we have to do where, where we break down the fantasy, uh, our fantasy rankings. Um, but I'm excited, bud. I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to wait for my daughter to wake up from her nap. We're going to go play at the park and then, you know, come back. I'll be, I'll be calm. I'll be calm mostly because there was, what's there to get upset about? I've been more right than you have. I I love it. The victor. I love it. This is, uh, no, this has been a lot of fun. 
I, I am excited to do the second podcast today as well. And we will get to that here in a few hours. In the meanwhile, everyone, listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Again, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at Unsport Comment, at Unsport Comment. And also listen to us on the podcast. Download our podcast, like our podcast, subscribe. You know what to do. Thanks for listening. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Bye-bye.